Welcome to Paulas, a podcast about real life experiences from the mouths of legit working class people. Hiya! Hey up! I'm Selena. And I'm um, just a couple of Paulasses doing a podcast. Hey up and welcome back to Paulas. This is another special Pandemic Diaries episode and this is the second in the series. Hello Selena! Hiya! You are right. things? Um, well, the sun is shining, so it, it's better than last week when it was snowing. <laughs> Off but, it said. Um, I'm looking forward to uh, chatting to some more people. I enjoyed that last time. You know, not just us chatting. It was nice listening, listening to other people. So I'm looking forward to that today. Yeah, definitely. And loads of people actually tuned into that particular episode. So I think other people are agreeing with us too. I think we all just need to hear... <laughs> what some other people think because we're just stuck in our own bloody heads aren't we sick of listening to us take the same stuff again and again <laughs> yeah that as well <laughs> i don't care what you had for your fucking tea anymore <laughs> like, oh change the record so Do yeah me. i'm very much looking forward to hearing how other people have felt this past year and what's been going on with other people cool so our four guests this week we have a very special guest from within your household. Well, sort of extended household. Yeah, I like. Obviously, last time we had uh, a relation to you, and now we've got uh, my sister. So yeah, she's very excited to be on a podcast. VIP. So, we'll see what happens. Well, <laughs> I love that in the group chat she said that she was worried about chatting Macca, and I was like, I have not heard that phrase. <laughs> Mank represent. But yeah, it's going to be weird because she's going to be in the room with me. You know, like how we used to record podcasts. Imagine a world. So yeah, that's going to be that's going to be fun. So aside from Sai, the ultimate VIP, um, we've also got Lowry, um, who is, uh, well, let's say like a childhood friend of mine. To be fair, representing the DN um, for fans of when, if any of you out there listen to my 1999 Diary podcast when I had that, or followed the Instagram account. Larry was a VIP uh, from my school days, so she'll be on. We have Mariam, who, again, absolute legend. So we don't want to give too much away of what people are going to be talking about, so maybe we'll get to that point um, when each person joins. But uh, we also have Lou Bentley as well. So, yeah, we've got quite a nice, nice group of folks, all with different experiences. Again, just to try and get a good spread... Um, of, you know, how people are kind of, I don't know, like working and living with all the different scenarios in life that you can have in this mad time. Yeah, which I think there's probably an endless amount of stories, really. Oh, it, absolutely. So, yeah, I guess let's get stuck in, eh? Yeah, let's get our first guest on. So our first guest has joined the call. Hi Lou, tell us about yourself and tell us a bit about what your background is, what brings you here with us today and once you've kind of done that, let's hear about your experience of the pandemic. Nice one, nice one. Hi, hi everyone. Right, right, nice to be with you. Thanks for having me. Um, yes, yeah, so I'm Lou, I'm 39 um, and I am mum to three kids and I live in Morley, which is South Leeds centre of the universe 
Um, my, my working class provenance would be that I live in a council house, as did my mum and her mum before her. <laughs> I was um, brought up on a diet of chips and uh, tinned marifat peas um, with lots of time spent in the street or outside the working men's club with a bag of crisps. Um, I'd, I'd left school at 13 with absolutely no qualifications um, and as a result I've done probably some of the worst jobs out there I've scrubbed bogs I've waited tables washed dishes uh, collected glasses changed beds um, I once dressed as a giant moose um, and I've worked in a lot of call centers um, I'm, I'm yeah right right interested in in talking to you because I think it's really lovely to hear um, working class voices and working class views um, I don't think there's enough of it out there so it's it's really really exciting to you know to speak to you for this project yeah thanks for joining us also when you said there you're dressed as a moose I had visions <laughs> of like do you know on that episode of um, Phoenix Nights where they have that bouncy castle <laughs> <laughs> about that for some reason that wasn't even the worst job i've ever had to be honest that was probably <laughs> one of the better ones um yeah madness madness um today though to now um i work for local authorities um and and i work in what we used to call one stops um and they're now they're now sort of community hubs so they're um it's like all your council services and libraries all in one place um i i work face to face with my customers and we look at things like housing applications um housing benefit council tax um i usually work in quite a deprived area of leeds and if there's there's really high crime rates um high high poverty rates and we make a lot of food bank referrals um and we signpost to other organizations um so that could be somebody needing help with job searching or fleeing domestic violence or or needing help with debts. There's a there's a lot there's a lot going on in Leeds. Um, so um, as for lockdown, should we should we talk a bit about a bit about lockdown? Yeah, definitely. Like if whatever you're happy sharing about what your setup yeah. is. Um, obviously, you've just said that you you work quite face to face. So imagine there were an impact on that, and also just your thoughts and feelings as well. Sure, thank you. Yeah. Um, well, when when we went into lockdown in March, our centre where where we work was closed, um, and all the staff was sent home um, to work from home. I, I I'll be honest, I was dead impressed with the speed at which they sort of made a plan B, because you work somewhere for a long time and you think nothing will ever change from one year to the next. It and and it's sort of overnight, seemingly they you know they they put us in teams. We were working from home, calling customers um, and helping over the phone, and you know just the IT involved in that absolutely blows my mind. So that you know that they came up with that so quickly was brilliant. Um, some of my colleagues were out delivering food parcels, um, picking up prescriptions for people. Um, we had library staff that were doing welfare calls. They were calling people at home that might be at risk of being isolated. Um, if, if I'm honest, I'm 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 100% proud of um, you know of our, our response to the pandemic because I think, and I, I know we've worked really really hard for our communities and you know to keep all our all our people as safe as possible. Um, um, and another thing that happened at the start of lockdown was pretty major for us was that my partner lost his job. Um, he he works in construction. Um, and he'd been made redundant at the end of 2019. Um, he took a temporary like factory job till he got something else sorted elsewhere. Um, and he had a few things lined up, but because of the timing, oh, it just it all went on hold. 
Um, and to be honest, managing on one wage just seemed absolutely insurmountable. We, we've got no savings and, you know, we pretty much get from one payday to the next. Um, and we had to apply for universal credit, which was, I am not going to lie, absolutely terrifying. Um, some Something that I hear a lot in my job is sort of mum's going, I, I don't want to move on to UC because my child tax credits will stop and it's a really long wait till till the payments kick in. And um, and it was, it was six weeks, which is a, you know, really, really long time um, to go. Um, the day that I went to apply online for us, um, the website was crashing because they were so overloaded with people claiming. Um, and, and to be honest, the, the the process itself um it really brought home to me that there are they're an absolute vast way the people who are really really vulnerable um, and absolutely lack the skills necessary to apply and keep a claim running um it is quite a complicated process with lots of bits to it um and there'll be people that would struggle to go anywhere for help at the best of times you know let, let alone during um you know a flipping pandemic um so you know if you if you don't have access to the internet or a smartphone or you know you, you can't read how how on earth can you access a system that's supposed to be there to to support you um we we got there in the end with it um and and you know in fairness it kept us afloat i was so grateful um that you know i was able to still pay my bills um while while he was claiming UC, um, my partner was able to apply for some training courses as well um, because of the way the funding works with with benefits. Um, and, and one that he did um, actually helped him to go on and get a new job. So it, it's actually been dead dead positive in that respect because it's moved him off of that roundabout of temporary employment, self employment, um, you, you know, temporary employment, um, and it's he's it, into a completely new new job that he loves. Um, and he's really brilliant at so that that's that's been one one positive I can take from it. Um, what I've struggled with working from home was homeschooling. Um, man alive, um, teachers just don't get paid enough. Um, we we didn't have enough devices. We'd, we'd one laptop between us all. Um, and then when live classes started, it was absolutely impossible. Um, my son's school was dead helpful um, and they provided us with a laptop, which made a really massive difference. Um, also, I would say they just want enough of me. Um, I, I felt mega guilty because I was ignoring my kids for most of the day while I was working. Um, I was trying to fit in some work with my nine year old between work calls. Um, and I felt shit. I felt like a shit mum. I felt like a shit employee. Just like I couldn't concentrate properly on either thing that I was trying to do. Um, I wasn't taking any rest breaks because I was constantly trying to fit in something else. Um, so yeah, the teachers, wow, love you. Um, <laughs> our my kids' schools are absolutely outstanding, and they set us loads and loads of work. And and hard as it was, um, I think it really it really helped keep my kids going. I, you know, I think they needed that that stability and that routine of having um, of having the work. But yeah, yeah, it was hard. Um, 
I feel like working class people um, have had an absolute bum deal in this this whole thing for many reasons. Um, I think women and particularly working mums um, have just borne a huge brunt, being asked to do multiple jobs at once. Um, I think I, I really fully recognise I'm privileged to work for like a right responsible employer and they were able to make those changes so I could work safely from home. But not everyone has been that lucky. Um, a friend of ours who is a mechanic, his, his boss, or should I say ex-boss, um, had applied to government for furlough for his staff, but was asking them to work as well. Um, so shady. People working in retail, I think especially supermarkets um, and other essential retail that stayed open, you know, they must have been absolutely terrified. Um, I, even now, as things are starting to sort of normalise and, and, you know, we're starting to feel a little bit safer, I feel so on edge being around people. So I can't imagine what it must have felt like sitting on a sitting on a supermarket checkout, check um, you know, just being surrounded by people all day. Um, um, a good friend and a colleague of mine um, lost her partner, Andy, to COVID. Um, which was a massive shock. Um, Andy Powell was a bus driver in Leeds. Um, he was a huge Leeds United fan and a, and a really much loved brother, um, partner, dad and granddad. He, um, he, he loved his job and he absolutely loved his life. And it is beyond unfair that someone who was just doing his job um, and was, you know, perfectly healthy um, was, was in danger, put in danger and his, his family of have lost him forever um, off the back of that. Um, it's, you know, saying that we're all in this together is, to be honest, it's a load of rubbish in it because I think a marketing executive who's been furloughed for 14 months will have such a vastly different experience from a teacher or a bin man or a, you know, a checkout lady. Um, basically, I think our jobs and our incomes have defined how safe we've been throughout this. Um, and I think key workers are those obviously in the lowest paid jobs a lot of the time. Um, I, I do think that Leeds, um, and of course I can only comment on Leeds because this is where I'm from, but I think we've had an amazing response. Um, like I say, I'm right, I'm right proud of all the volunteers and community groups um, that have got together and, and worked to keep us all going. But I'm furious at the absolute shambles that is our government. Um, I think the delays, the misinformation, the manipulation of figures, the massive amounts of public money that have gone into private sector firms. And, you know, where, where is it gone? Um, not to mention MPs who seem to have personal interests in contracts that have been given during COVID. It's, it's absolutely shocking. And. And I open Twitter every day to look at it, thinking, well, what, you know, what, what fresh hell is, is, is going to occur today? Um, I've, I've got to say that overall, my, my immediate family have come through this healthy and mostly happy. And I'm, you know, I'm right, right grateful for that, um, you know, for all that extra time that we've been able to spend together. But 127,000 deaths in the UK, um, I think that's on Boris, isn't it? The absolute clown. That's uh, yeah, that's, that's it. There's a lot there. <laughs> like the absolute clown. I like the that. clown. <laughs> it's hard, isn't it? It's, it's, I think at a local level, I can see, I can see there's been a lot of positives and a lot of people have come together, but it's, it's, it's hard knowing how hard communities are working to, to cope with the, you know, just the what on earth is going on at the, you know, at the top level of things. I, I just still don't know. I'm, I'm baffled, really baffled by it.
like you were saying, you know, you felt safe in work, but that was just kind of like look of the draw that you've got an employee who was like that. And there's so many people that haven't had that opportunity and not being able to, you know, feel safe at work. Also, I can't believe I've been saying throughout, like anybody that has been working from home and homeschooling, I honestly don't even know how how you've even coped because that for me, it just blows my mind. Absolutely. It's it's like it's double edged, really, because I, of course, I was grateful to be at home. I was so grateful that, you know, they could, they'd, they'd done it so that I could I could be here and I could be safe. And I felt really lucky. But on the other hand, it was like, how am I going to do all this? How you know what what? And 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 course, if I if I say I'm struggling, um, there's always that option of going back into work, which I, d- I don't want to do. So it's, it's it's been really hard. And and. Yeah, like I say, I really, God, I really, really total respect for, um, for teachers and for everything they do. I'm, I'm so glad now my kids are back in school because it's, it's just, it's, it's started to normalise things, um, you know, for, for everyone. But yeah, it's been hard. Um, it's, it's, it's been, it's been hardest thing. I think I've been a stay-at-home mum before, and I've been a working mum. But being a stay-at-home working mum is the absolute limit. Just what you know? How many? How many hats do you want us to wear? Um, absolutely nuts. But yeah, again, I, I I do I do appreciate. I've been I've been lucky. I've never ever worked from home before, so it has been really new, um, and it's had its good bits and its and its bad bits. But um, but yeah, it, on the on the whole, I've been safe, and I've, you've got to be thankful for that. Absolutely. And also when you were talking there, I was sat here in tears, like when you shared your story about Andy. So, you know, massive love to, to Andy's family. That must be awful. And like you say, having, having no choice, but to be out there just doing your job, knowing that your job could kill you is just the absolute worst. Um, you just can't, you just can't even think, can you, what, what his family must be going through and how they must be feeling, um, at the end of this. So, Oh, very, very humbling. Um, I think I think sometimes as well, you, you know, you watch the news, don't you? And it's just becoming like, you know, when people say, oh, it's like an episode of Brass Eye or, you know, it's, um, you don't, you almost don't feel real, do you? Watching the figures every day and you, you've got your own selfish interests as well. Some of the time you're thinking, oh God, like I just, you know, I just need to get back out there. Or like if you're struggling, like you were saying, we're, we're juggling several things, you almost like, I just want my kids to go back or I just want this and, and, you know, it's, I think, wrestling with the guilt and the mixed feelings that everybody has coming from all their different backgrounds um, to get through this has been has been difficult. But when you hear, you know, someone's name and someone's yeah. experience who, who's lost their life, it's just, yeah. It's, it, it's, it's definitely, it's, it is, it's horrid and, it, and it's, it's brought it home because, yeah, you do feel like, um, especially if you've been sort of working from home and you, you kind of, you you're a you're a little sealed unit aren't you you kind of um you hold off from everything that's happening out there and it almost feels like it's not real at points you're just watching figures going up on the tv but yeah when it's someone you know and it's you know and it's someone's family and they're very much loved and it's so unfair there's no there's no fairness to it whatsoever um it's 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 maddening it but it just makes me it just makes me very angry that um there's been so much delay so much of this so many families um and their loved ones could have been spared this pain i really do believe that they could have done if if um there'd have been some action a bit quicker at the top um 
you know we've we've all done we've all done our best and we've worked with um you know with the direction that we've had but you know we could have we could have started doing all this sooner and it's it's maddening really it's really it really is who puts these people in charge <laughs> too bloody me. right I mate <laughs> i didn't vote for him <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh dear if you imagine you were just walking down the street and a news channel came to you and asked you to sum up in one sentence how the government have handled this past year. I know that's hard in one sentence, but what would you say? Like, what would be your your um your voice pop for the for the news? Absolutely shambolic. Um, old boys party, get rich quick scheme. It, you know, fuck the paupers basically, hasn't it? That's 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 been this whole this whole pandemic. I like that. That's a like, nice catchy phrase. <laughs> you branded that up. all up. <laughs> Loved it. <laughs> oh, um, and then to um, to close, because, you know, we, we want to get real, but also we all need some joy, bloody hell, um, is what what has happened in the pandemic where you've thought, you know, actually, this is potentially a good thing. I'd like to see this fundamentally change in the world. Um, and also, what are you looking forward to now that things are easing? Like, what what do you miss, and what are you looking forward to doing again? Sure, yeah. Um, I think things that have been positives or, or positive changes that I've seen is I think the improvement in manners in people in general. So the whole walking down the road and taking a bit of space out and allowing someone to pass, and just being thoughtful around personal space around people. I know not everybody's quite got it just yet, but. I think it's um it's it's just a nice it's it's a nice touch that we're going back to towards that. Um and I think the whole I think the hopefulness that came at the first lockdown, I think it has slightly worn off unfortunately. But the the idea that, you know, when everything was closed you could hear the bird song and that the sky seemed free of pollution. It was it was a nice it was a really nice sort of um uh, you know, idealistic um, feeling for a while and I hope we don't lose all of that because I think I think we do have an ability to start making some changes we've been through a massive thing um, and I think we need to look at we need to look at who's at the top and, and decide how how things are going to go on um, I, I'm really hopeful that a lot a lot of younger people become more politically active there are not a lot of great choices at the moment unfortunately but um, you know maybe maybe think these things can start to change um, what I'm looking forward to the most is I am really looking forward to a cold pint. Um, I oh god, it's been so long, and 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 I know the pubs are starting to open now, but I'm not I'm not quite ready to go to go back out yet because they're just a little bit too busy, and um and and I totally get that bars and um and you know places are wanting to to recoup some money. They've got every right to start earning some money again after the you know the horrific time that they've had being closed. Um, but I'm just going to wait just a little bit longer, I think, until things start to steady down. Um, and yeah, I'm going to enjoy a very, very nice um, few drinks, I think. And what is possibly getting up there to be like a poor last first for, I don't know, maybe the last two years, we've got our next guest actually in Selena's house, which is mental. So, um, yeah, over to you, Selena. Who's in your house? Controversial, who's in your house? Don't worry, she's in me bubble. Um, <laughs> we have to say that, don't you, disclaimer. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's my sister. Yeah, she's literally sat next to me. It's a bit weird because I feel like we've not done this for like over like maybe two years. But yeah, she's she's here in my house. So um, I'll stop talking and pass it over, and then she can she can tell you about herself. So yeah, over to you. Hiya. Yes. Yeah, I'm Selena's sister. Uh, so my name's Sai. I'm 41, and I literally just live round the corner from my sister. I've got a partner, Nikki, and a little boy who's three called Sonny. Um, I work in human resources, and the last year of lockdown has been a bit of a roller coaster, to be honest, up and down and all over the place, really. Um, so start of lockdown, well, it was um, this weird one. It was like... It sounds daft, but it was okay at the start, really. I was sort of working in HR for um, an outsourcer based in the city centre. And I was still going to work, to be honest, when quite a lot of people, had, offices had closed and that. So it was a bit weird, like going on the bus and there was no one there. And I worked near Victoria train station, walking in there, and it was, like, completely dead. It was like the city had just died. It was really weird. But I was still going to work and stuff. And then I'd say it was about a couple of weeks after most things had, had sort of closed and most people were working from home, they decided they want us, wanted us to work from home. Um, I said I was in human resources, so I was doing a lot of the recruitment and things like that. And they wanted us all to start working on the phones because it, it was in a call centre and they were doing, they had um, a contract for NHS. So they wanted most people to be doing that and supporting working on that. But I thought I can't do that because I had a, a toddler and obviously his nursery was closed. And I'm like, I can't be on calls eight hours a day when I've got a toddler running around and a toddler to look after. Um, so I was put on furlough. So I was on furlough for, I'd say, about, ooh, probably about a month. Um, found that really hard, to be honest, um, being on furlough. And this sounds awful, but having my three-year-old, like, full-time, we had, it, it, I think it was because we couldn't go anywhere. There was nothing to do. Um, it wasn't great weather. So, you know, we couldn't really go outdoors and stuff. We used to go like trampolining and soft play and all sorts of climbing and things, but there was nothing we could do. So that was a bit of a challenge. My partner was uh, working from home as well. And so he was at home all the time. We don't have a big house and our house is open plan. So it's literally like we couldn't even go in a separate room to him. So that was really difficult. So that was for about, say, the first month or so that went. And then I had a phone call from work and I thought it was about furlough and stuff and what the, what, you know, what the next steps were going to be. But unfortunately, it was um, to say that I was um, being put at risk of redundancy. So that was a bit of a shocker because I didn't really see that coming at all. Um, and I thought I knew, I knew deep down that there was there was going to be no options there was going to be no other job job opportunities for me to move to within the company um not that we're based in Manchester anyway so that was I think I had about four or five weeks of the consultation um 
And yeah, long story short, that ended in redundancy. So I was made redundant, uh, I think it was end of June time, I think. Yeah, end of June time. Um, So we had all that to cope with. And I've never been in that situation before. I've been working since I was like 16, 17. I've been to uni and stuff, but I've always worked. And I've never, I've been really lucky and never had that situation to deal with. So I find that I found that really, really difficult mentally to cope with. Um, and then obviously, like the nurseries were still shut. So I was, you know, struggling with looking after my little boy. My partner, it was really, we were lucky in the way that my partner was still just working full time. But, you know, he was working from home. So it was it was a really, really hard time mentally. Um so I had to get my CV together and stuff and look for another job. And obviously it was really difficult because there was a lot of people in my situation looking for work. Um, signed up with an agency and then got some temporary work through Reed. It was um, doing HR at Berry Council. And that was, I think I got a temporary contract for three months, which wasn't you know, I thought that's oh, not ideal, but it's it's work, and I've felt really, really lucky to to get a job. Um, so did that, started that, and luckily that you know the accommodating my hours around childcare and stuff. So once the nurseries were back open, I was able to work around Sunny, my little boy. So that was really good. Um, and then. It, the contract got extended a couple of times. So I, I was still looking for a permanent job whilst this was going on. But yeah, the contract got extended. Um, and then it, it finally, it got made permanent, which was, oh, the relief was something else. I've never felt relief like it when I got told I was being made permanent. And that was in the, I think that was in the January. So I'd been temping from August to January, and then got told it was going to be made permanent. And the, re- the relief was just ridiculous. So yeah, it, it was ugh, lockdown's been a massive, massive roller coaster. Um, struggled quite a bit with mental health. Um, I've always sort of been up and down with it, really. But it's I, I've been really, really good with it to be honest. Before all this, and I, I've been taking medication, and I was thinking about coming off them me and my doctor were like yeah I think I'm in the place to come off the medication and then lockdown hit and then it was just like having to review my doctor it was sort of like yeah it's, it's probably not the best time to do this to be honest so yeah so we're, we're still on that and then we'll see how things go um also it's just I feel like it's just impacted my life hugely because me and my partner were thinking about trying to start and try and have um, another child and that was actually the beginning of last year we thought that would be a good time um because I'd been in my job for four years you know little one was at the age where we thought we could try and start for another baby I would it was you know quite a good maternity package where I worked and then obviously all that hit and made redundant and it was just like yeah (laughs) so all them plans went on hold um, and yeah, we're still like, don't really, you know, know what we're doing now. And, and, you know, I'm not getting any younger, neither of us are, but obviously 
it's something we really want to do so we'll see where we go with that but yeah lockdown yeah been a hard one I'd say that sounded all a bit ugh, but there has been some positives that have come out of it um being made redundant obviously it's really 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 was a bad thing to happen but I did get a little bit of redundancy pay I'd not been there that long so I didn't get loads but I was able to pay off an overdraft that I'd had since leaving uni at 18 so sorry 21 so never been able to pay that off before so did that got a tiny bit in savings um so you know it helped in that way and it's kind of nice having this new job it's 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 given me a bit of a challenge I'm doing something I'm still in human resources but I'm doing a different area that I would never have done where I was before so you know it's broadening you know my experience in the workplace and things so that's a good thing um another good thing to come out of lockdown I've never spent so much time outside ever and appreciated nature and just the, the local park as much as I have it, it's just amazing I've just been outside so much with my little boy so that's a really you know a really good thing that's come out of it and I've got to make friends with my neighbours that I didn't even know before lockdown so we, it's like we've become a little community um so again that's another really good thing so it's been swings and roundabouts it's been really up really down um some I know I have some really low days and I have some really up days but as things are gradually starting to open you know it's starting to feel more positive and can see the sunshine coming in and stuff but yeah it's just it's just been just been a difficult one to be honest but yeah Uh, how's it how's it been having a new job but never actually meeting any of your co-workers or actually going to your place yeah I've been in my new job now seven eight months never been in the office never met anyone apart from the team's chats I've only seen them you know seeing the reds on teams it's very weird it was really difficult training as well having like training sessions over teams and stuff so yeah it's just normally you go in you make friends and you you like you'd know how your workmate wants a brew like oh yeah like say like I don't know um like Jenny, oh yeah, she has milk and two sugars, but I don't even know basic things like that, so it's really <laughs> weird. Like you don't, you, you don't go work on a Monday and go, I got, how's your weekend been? What you, what you been doing? Like sometimes I don't even speak to people for three days, so yeah, it's weird. I was just gonna say, I think you're a bit like me in that you like to, not like to be busy, but you're always busy doing something. Yeah, so that's been hard. And also, um, Sonny, you're also my nephew. He's He's not, he's not a quiet child, you know. He's a very active child. So he, I feel like the fact yeah. that he's kind of been spent most of his year indoors has been hard. It's been very hard, yeah. Yeah, he's not a quiet child. In he, he constantly wants to do things, and he's he's super active. He wants to climb. He wants to run. He wants to, you know, he's he's, a, he's great. I love him to bits. But when you're in lockdown and you're in your house, I think over the winter months it was hard because you couldn't just like you can't you go to the park but the days when it's just like chucking it down it's awful and stuff and there's really not a lot you can do and I'm not the most like 
creative t- I don't know creative t- I don't I'm not great at arts and crafts and that that side of things so my parenting skills on that I, they're just really not great but you know I've tried and we've been doing baking and you know painting and drawing and stuff but you know I know he just wants to be out and running and doing stuff and trampolining and all that so that it's been really hard but the time that I've had to spend with him I really appreciate because you know we you don't get the opportunity to do that, do you, on a normal day-to-day basis. But I also felt like serious mum guilt because it's like he's not mixing with his friends, he's not mixing with anyone his age. He was just around me and his dad all the time, so he wasn't having that interaction with other children. And I felt like, oh, God, is this stumping, you know, his future because it sounds dramatic, but because he's not with the other kids and stuff and... You know, he's not doing things that he should be doing at his age and that. So that that was really difficult. I mean, you, you always have the mum guilt anyway, but I think lockdowns just enhanced that, really. So um, what what are you looking forward to most now things are easy? Oh, or what are you, what you wanting God. to do? Just wanting to just go and do things with Sonny. Because um, I work part-time, so Thursday, Fridays, like me and Sunny days when his dad's at work um so I was just going to do, like take him climb to climbing clubs gymnastic clubs and um, go trampolining with him take him to the beach uh, things like that take him to the fair amusement parks just just little things like that really that you just I suppose you just take them for granted but once it's not there you just like oh god and then so to, to be able to do that is amazing uh i'm also looking forward on a personal like thing to get back to the gym because i I meant to mention that before actually the gym's closing really struggled with that um because i've been into my fitness classes in the gym and stuff for quite a lot of years and it's not just to maintain fitness really it's for my mental health because I, i i find it oh for what what it does for my head is is something else really. Just having an hour in there, the, the time out of home life and work life and everything, and I feel like when I'm in there, I don't think about anything else. I just think about what I'm doing in there, so it completely clears my head. Um, so I've really struggled with not being able to do that. Just for like an hour, two hours a week, just just it's not a lot, but to me it's a lot. Um, so really looking forward to being able to get back to doing that as well and just and being able to see my friends that I'm not seeing because they don't live locally so being able to go and travel and see them and see family that I've not been able to see who don't live locally so yeah just a lot of things to look forward to really. Right so we're asking everybody if like I mean, I know you have, you've already been on TV. I don't know if anyone thought we've been on TV. Oh, yeah. Celebrities. Uh, but, you know, so if you were just, uh, you know, round, round at Asda and a news channel stopped you and, yeah. and was like, how would you sum up, in one sentence, how the government has handled the past year? I know it's hard in just Ooh, one sentence. Oh, that's like, really what, what would you say to hard. Him? Oh, God. In one sentence? Um I understand, obviously, it's it's really hard for anyone to deal with this because it's something that we're just not used to. But yeah, I just, yeah, they haven't. They haven't handled it. No, they haven't. That's it. They haven't. (laughs) So now we're on to special guest number three. And as part of the intro, I realised that I actually just said Mariam and didn't use your surname, sort of like Madonna. 
because you're such an icon <laughs> that you don't need a surname. So, um, yeah, I guess rather than uh, me explain who you are, over to you, Miriam, for, uh, yeah, who you are, what's your background, and what's been your setup during lockdown? Okay, hello, my name is Miriam, and um, I, I'm a teacher. Um, I was teaching in America, and I got kicked out of America and came back to the UK um, at the, just before the end of 2020. I think, no, 2019. I don't know what my years are anymore, man. Um, and so I got a new job teaching in London, and I started in January, and then I booked myself a holiday to Japan for a month in February. And in February, like, COVID had just become, like, a thing. I was still very Wuhan central, but, like, it hadn't come to Europe by the time I'd gone to Japan. It was in Japan, but not that much. Um, and people were still traveling. So um, I disconnected from all news and things while I was on holiday. And um, when I got on my flight back, I realized, oh, hang on, there's like no one here. And uh, my mum filled me in on how bad it had got in Europe. So when I came back, I was actually, after working a month uh, for first lockdown, I was in furlough uh, until October. Um, and so uh, I started doing a lot of other things. I started painting. I started dancing. I started getting very creative. I had I had a wonderful uh, fellow. Um, but then in second lockdown and third lockdown, um, I was working as a key worker in the nursery that I work at. So I teach two-year-olds. Um, and obviously, uh, preschools were not included in the shutdown of schools because we were deemed safe zones. We were not safe. Uh, I could tell you a lot about that. Um, and so I, I wasn't working from home. I'm traveling uh, two hours a day into central London and out of central London again because my school is on the other side of London. Um, and it was kind of nerve wracking having to do that every day. Um, but like, yeah, I guess we just kind of pushed through. The government is terrible. They offered us no support and parents aren't that great either. But like the children were great and like we kind of stuck together. And like it's been, it's been a weird, a weird time. I want you to elaborate on when you said they were saying it was safe, and you were like, "It's not safe." So yeah, tell um, tell us more. So they were saying in younger children, there was less likelihood of them like uh, spreading coronavirus, but they could still carry coronavirus. And um, Small children are impossible to socially distance. You can't put a mask on a two-year-old. You also can't stop a two-year-old licking another two-year-old. It's really hard. Um, and they're just, like, gross because they're two and they can't self-regulate. Um, and so, um, in and a lot of nursery schools are not equipped to socially distance and handle bubbles. A lot of them are, like, a giant room that are just separated into sections um, and not classes. My school, for example, is a church hall and they separate the different sections of the church hall into different classes, but we're technically just one room. Um, and so coronavirus did happen in my school. Um, someone somehow got it, um, but I wasn't there because my dad had it. So I was self-isolating anyway that week. But um, someone came in with it. And it just went through the staff really quickly. And like for Christmas, I think nearly all of our staff had coronavirus. Um, and so it was it was this kind of thing of like, well, they can't carry it, but small children could carry it. Also, staff coming in and out of the school were bringing it in. There was no bubble system going on. And there wasn't in any preschool. Um, 
and we were keeping parents out they weren't allowed in but at the same time like children were coming from different houses mixing with different children when you're having that situation it's there's no safety in that like it's just the same as any other school really um just because they were babies people kind of they, they do it with preschool all the time and this is another rant i could have about how preschools are looked at as less than any other kind of schooling um we're paid less um the work is really hard and people treat you really badly in preschools um like you're talked down to and things because you're just looked at as like a glorified babysitter but being a babysitter is hard man like i don't know why people think this stuff is easy um so it was quite frustrating the lack of support that we got in preschools over the all of the lockdowns really mate this sounds so tough like you know i mean i'm really glad that you've been so honest with us <laughs> and i'm glad that you you feel that you can share your story because <sighs> mate it must have been so tough you know you've not had a break you've not had even people being very kind by the sounds of it um you know has has there been anything where you've sort of felt do you know what this has been a good thing at all or have you just felt like actually this has just been a really really shitty time it's been a rough time in the sense that like we just had it's just been kind of chaotic in general but like what kind of makes it worth it is always like the kids and like two-year-olds is not my forte. <laughs> um, I usually teach older children, um, but like I, the, the kids that we have at the minute in this little group who are sadly, a lot of them are gonna go up to the next group when I go back, but they've been really awesome and funny and like teaching in general, the children are great. It's always the adults that are the annoying part. So going in, seeing my kids and like having them make me laugh every day was just like, it was a great kind of, it was getting me out of my like routine of just staying in Ilford. I didn't leave my hometown for like a year because like no one did really, did they? And so I just stayed in Ilford. So going to work offered me the opportunity to like leave. And so on the way home as well, like I could go through central London um, because I was anyway and like stop in like Chinatown or in other places and support businesses on my way home. So I could get food from places and I can like, um, there was no one around, so you could walk around a lot, and it kind of helped me in that sense of, like, I was getting really, like, I don't know, it was just getting a little bit too much being in Ilford all the time, so it was just nice to have that break from it. But obviously, like, as I said, like, the kids are the best part about teaching. I think any teacher would say that, and so seeing my kids every day and, like, just seeing them be awesome was, like, a highlight, and that kept me going, like, around all the adults that were driving me crazy. Honestly, you are the queen of making lemonade out of lemons. What have you managed to do during this time um, that's been giving you joy, no matter how small that is? So, for example, I know you've been doing um, a lot more of your artwork, which is amazing. Picked up a, a print for my wall. Um, you know, and you've got, obviously, from, from seeing on Instagram, you're working on, you know, creating a new studio in your house, like how, what, what's been bringing you joy, Mariam? Like how, how have you been finding that joy? I found that like, because I was on furlough for so long and I, I suddenly had this opportunity where I didn't have to worry about money, which is I've never had in my life. And like, I grew up working class and like, I've always been like, you know, you're always kind of hustling to, to make rent or whatever. And so for for a few months of the year for about a month or almost a year I was able to kind of just focus on 
creative stuff and I was joking with my cousin that like this must be like what rich kids with trust funds are like like you can just focus on your creative outlets so like I started doing loads of things like I started a print shop I was painting I just paint cityscapes of places I've been um but um I've been trying other things I've been doing lino printing um I started a YouTube channel um so I, I I sporadically make videos for that but I want to get more into that um and I was dancing. TikTok started it all, man. Like, I started TikTok dancing every day in my first self-isolation when I came back from Japan. And I don't know. I think putting myself out there on the internet helped me boost my self-confidence. And then it kind of, once I got that kicked in, it spurred me on to, like, doing more. Like, I decided that when this is all done and, like, I can move again, I want to go to Japan. So I'm learning Japanese. I've signed up for a Japanese course. I do Japanese every day. Um like I've been working on my art I'm currently making jewelry boxes because um, I, I have studio space now so it's all these new things that I never really thought I would get into in that year I mean I bought a guitar like I'm trying to get back into music like um so it was cool that way and then like obviously um, my love of k-pop grew um and that fed into a lot of things that fed into my dancing a lot um and I just tried to like find out new and different kinds of music from across the world um, not just from South Korea, though BTS and Shiny are holding that strong for me. Um, like just all over, I t I've been talking to friends from all over and um, trying to find out like different kinds of music. Just because, like, yeah, as I've talked about before, like I was so disillusioned with punk and I stopped listening to music. So that was really cool. Honestly, like, and I don't talk about this a lot because I know I know that this has been really hard for a lot of people, and it's been hard for me too. But like in other ways, like. My mental health has never been better and I you know I speak from having come out of therapy on my return back from London and just working on myself and I found that I just needed that time to reset and like and and I do honestly like it's it I've never felt as good as I do now and like part of me feels like I don't want to say that it's such a humble brag but at the same time like I worked really hard in the last year or so and like and I'm proud of it, but like, I mean, obviously, like everyone treated this lockdown differently, and like, I know I was very productive, but it's totally okay if people weren't. Like, it's it's a really difficult time to be around, and especially to be alone in places. Like, everyone handled it in their own way, and all those ways are totally valid. Um, my way was just being super all over the place and loud. <laughs> I I enjoyed that you said your 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 thing was being all over the place and loud I'm into that I'm into that Mariam <laughs> um so we're asking everyone so imagine you're just walking down the high street and somebody stops you from a news channel and they say to you in like one sentence can you sum up how the government has handled this past year so I know it's hard in one sentence but what would you say to to this news reporter it's been really shit <laughs> <laughs> they've been really shit <laughs> they've been really shit bye <laughs> I think that sums up everything every aspect of the government like all of them have been shit how they've handled every single element has been shit they are all shit people <laughs> like anyway but I, I hoped more people would realize this but uh, to be fairly honest with you 
once that dude took over the Labour Party, I don't even know his name because he does nothing. Um, I don't think they've done very much either. I think like it's 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 just all been quite disheartening for if you look at the government on all aspects. That was way more than the sentence. My sentence was they were shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I like that. <laughs> Sometimes all you need are a few words <laughs> to really nail a point. Um, Mariam, I just wanted to say as well, I hope that this year, um, obviously right now is Ramadan, um, Ramadan Mubarak, uh, Mariam. Um, and, and obviously last year was a shit show, um, you know, during the period of, of Ramadan and Eid. So I hope that 2021, although, you know, things are still locked down and things are still difficult, that it's been better for you and your family. Yeah, man, like, actually, we were talking about Ramadan last year, and, like, if you ignore the fact that none of us could see each other, which was, like, a huge thing, but if you ignore that, it was really nice to, like, not have to go to work in Ramadan. I feel like a lot of my Muslim brothers and sisters kind of feel that, too, like, yeah, because you have to get up really early to eat, and, like, so at the minute, it's, like, four o'clock in the morning, and then, like, by that time, I have to get up again at six to go to work, you know, and get ready for work. So it was really nice to have that kind of time to just like to, to take it in your own on your own pace, you know, and to sleep when you need to sleep and to chill when you need to chill. So um, it kind of I think it gave everyone. And it was and it, and it sucked on Eid because you couldn't see anyone, and it sucked at Iftar because you couldn't share food with people. But like I think that if we were going to look for like the the blessing in that, it would have been that like we all got to do a Ramadan at our own speed, which is kind of nice. There I am making lemonade again. <laughs> as always, as always. <laughs> so now we're on to our fourth special guest today and our final guest. Um, and yeah, so we've got Lowry on. And Lowry, tell us about yourself. I know you very well. I've known you since we were at school together. <laughs> we've had quite the, uh, I don't know, selection of adventures and choice stories that i'm sure we can share but um i've known you a long time but the listeners may not know who you are so who are you please what's your background hi guys so as emma has kindly said my name is lowry i am a legal assistant at a law firm and we deal with stress at work uh, assault bullying harassment so a whole range of um mental health issues as well we come across uh sadly i'm 35 emma's known me for a grand total of 24 years this year um the end goal fingers crossed in the next couple of years when my postgrad course is finished with uni i will be training to be a solicitor oh that sounds brilliant larry so um what's what's lockdown at the past year been like for you what have you been up to how's it felt just tell us a bit about that Oh, good Lord, where to actually start? So lockdown, um, I was currently at work. Um, if my memory serves me right, I think the lockdown kicked in round about March last year. And um, yeah, at, at the beginning, I wasn't, I can't say I was too worried about it because I was staying at work. Um, obviously, people were working from home, so I stayed in the office um, kind of like a support system for all of the solicitors and paralegals and getting information to them and working on my own files. 
and I was then put on furlough, which originally was meant to be three weeks. Um, as we know, lockdown did not last for the three to six weeks that they thought it was going to. Um, so I found at the beginning, I, I tried to play it as a positive and thought, you know, okay, you've got this three weeks, you know, let's take some time out, you know, read some books and, you know, uh, watch a little bit of TV. So I, I, at that time, I didn't really get a chance to chill out a lot, you know, works quite full on. Um, I also had the hobby of training in Muay Thai. So I was quite busy through the week. So for everything for me to shut down was a little bit strange, a little bit alien, wasn't quite sure what to do with my time. And if I'm honest, I started off with all good intentions, reading. Uh, I tried to learn sign language, which I really enjoyed. And about three, four days in, boredom settled in, um, not having any routine. And the weird situation of living alone and not having any human interaction started to um, to take its toll a little bit. So, yeah, it, it was a very weird time and um, learning to pretty much connect with people purely by phone calls, FaceTime, it, you know, it was, it was something I struggled with. I'm quite a social person, so I like to be around people. I'm really chatty. You literally can't shut me up at the best of times. Um, can talk for England. Uh, so, yeah, it was, a, it was a bit it was a bit odd. And I found the whole being allowed out for one hour a day, obviously, resulted in me doing a lot of walking and became a bit obsessed with trying to hit 10,000 steps a day because that was pretty much all I could do, really. Um, so following on from that um, and the boredom settling in, I stumbled across a personal trainer on Facebook because, to be honest, I was bored of eating and watching too much Netflix and not really moving and was quite conscious that, you know, I would possibly roll out of lockdown rather than walk out of it. And so I came across this guy called James Smith and did a little bit of research on him, found out that he had a book that he'd released and, you know, people were raving about it. So figured, you know, while I'm doing my walks, I'll, I'll listen to this guy just chat about life in general. I mean, funnily, it was called Not a Diet Book and it was focused on health, fitness and, you know, taking care of yourself, but also from a mental health aspect as well, which was something at the time I was starting to struggle with. Uh, my internal monologue was getting a little bit skewed, started to worry about work and obviously um, how the pandemic was unfolding and the impact that it was having in general on businesses and, you know, companies. Um, it was quite a worrying time. So, yeah, I, um, again, tried to remain as positive as, as I could. I did have a few breakdowns here and there, you know, few tears and wondering what was going to happen, you know, what was life going to be like? And I mean, it seems quite silly now, considering a year later, we're only just coming out of it. But, you know, everyone deals with it in a different way. So after reading this book, I did actually realise that my mental health was actually in quite a good place now. It is something that I've struggled with for the best part of five years. Um, there was a trauma that I experienced in 2016, which um, 
was really, really unpleasant and um, affected me quite badly for a long time. Um, resulted in PTSD diagnosis, social anxiety, agoraphobia, suffered with anxiety and panic attacks. It was a pretty rough road and I only really started coming out of it in 2019. So I was conscious that lockdown, you know, could have, you know, a, a very, very negative impact on me and my thought process and dark thoughts creeping in. So I just tried to keep them at bay. And going back to what I was saying, um, reading this book, Not a Diet Book, um, made me realise that, yeah, mental health, check. Yeah, it was pretty good. Um, secondly, it spoke a lot about your environment and people you surround yourself with. You know, do these people feed into a healthy narrative? You know, or do these people drag you down? I can honestly say in my life, luckily, I've got a really good network of friends and a fantastic family. Also a great set of colleagues that are really supportive, um, you know, really helpful. And I'm quite happy to say we're also friends outside of work, which I didn't think would happen in this job. And um, yeah, I started looking at things like exercise differently. Um, like I say, Muay Thai, unfortunately, was shut gyms weren't open so I just started to look at what I could do that was in reach really and it was home workouts that I resorted to to keep my mental health in check I found the more exercise I did the happier I was I wasn't you know sat ruminating on not being at work not being able to see friends and family and uh, yeah that that really helped it got me through um so rolling around to where we are now, obviously, we're just starting to come out the other side. I'm not going to lie. I'm starting to feel like maybe I need a dating app again just so somebody will ask me out for a drink because I'm yet to have one pub invite, which has uh, made me quite sad. I'm not going to beat around the bush. So anyone listening, you want to take me out for a pint? <laughs> I am ready and willing. I am not a girly girl. I don't need eyelashes I've now got natural hair eyebrows they're a little bit questionable I'm not gonna lie they are like two fucking caterpillars super glued <laughs> to my forehead currently they look absolutely atrocious but other than that I will provide I'm sure endless banter and uh, a flurry of uh, ridiculous stories to, to get you through <laughs> so come on guys you know let, let's take me out so, I love where <laughs> this has gone it's gone from like yeah. Uh, I don't you know, think you like the little plug there, you know, come on, get me out of this lockdown, guys, come on. Someone yeah, we've, uh, <laughs> we've gone from confessional to the poor last dating app, I think, here now. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, you've got, to take, you've got to take it where you can get it, Emma, you know, let's put it let's put it out there. Love <laughs> of my life could switch in to this podcast, you never know. Well, <laughs> oh my God, I, I hope, imagine, that'd be amazing. We're just going to become happen. matchmakers. It definitely won't, but, but yeah... <laughs> But so, yeah, overall, I'd say lockdown for me, I've tried to keep it as positive as I can. You know, coming out of coming out of it now is a little a little bit daunting. I'm not sure what it's going to look like. You know, I went out for food yesterday and it was it, it was odd. I can't say that it felt normal. It felt anything but felt very, very strange. I mean, obviously, I can't wait to get back out into normal life but what that's going to look like anymore um 
so I probably have changed a fair bit over the last year, you know, not not being uh, able to go out and about freely, you know. So, yeah, it's overall been a positive experience. I've made some good changes in my life, and it's when we realise, you know, that everything's never as bad as it seems, and, you know, I have got, I've got a great job, you know, I'm quite content and happy. Love life is shit, but other than that, you know, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. But yeah, I think um, overall, it's not been as bad as I thought it would be. Just looking to crawl out of the other side now and thank God, not roll out of it. You know, I can still walk. Didn't didn't turn into a bottle ball. You know, it's uh, all's good. (laughs) Behave this line. So, Lowry, on that one, (laughs) when you're talking about getting back out there and obviously you've shared um, your mental health stuff and and living alone and agoraphobia, which, as you know, I can completely relate to, um, how are you feeling about getting back out there? Because I know you're a bit naturally more extroverted than I am, but I don't know, I think when you live on your own, you've just got this bubble, aren't you, where you just don't really know what's happening outside and sometimes... When you step out, you feel like you're going to a bloody super spreader event just seeing people outside. Like, how are you feeling about that? I like that super spreader event. I like that. I'm going to take that. Um, I don't honestly. I've, I I don't know. It it's making me. It did make me a little bit anxious. You know, just for I suppose etiquette in public. Really, you know how to even behave anymore because it's been so long since we've been you know, to pubs, restaurants, um, silly things like going to the cinema, bowling, you know, all, all array of activities. I'm, I'm excited for it. And at the same time, I'm a little bit on the fence that, you know, I, I'm quite ready to jump out and be that social again, if, if that even makes sense. It's, um, it's a little bit of a weird one. Like I say, I went out for food yesterday, but that was with my colleagues um, who I see you know, obviously Monday to Friday, I see them five days a week. So it didn't feel too different. But how it's going to be meeting up with friends again, you know, that I've not been able to do that for a whole year. Yeah, it it, it does make me a little bit nervy. I'm, I'm just going to try and roll with it and keep as calm as I can and uh, see what happens, really. I suppose no one knows. I know a lot of people are in the same boat, um, people that don't even have what I would call, you know, mental health issues, just a normal dose of anxiety are also quite, you know, dubious about how this is going to pan out. I think um, the pandemic has put a lot of fear in people, like you say, super spreading and, you know, it's, you know, am I going to get it? You know, am I going to then have to isolate, be on my own, have tests? It's quite a, quite a nerve wracking thing, I think, for a lot of people. And it's something I feel people do need to be open and honest about and speak about it. And people I find are a little bit worried to admit that they're struggling or that they are worried about how everything's going to look when we go back to normality, whatever that's going to look like. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I completely, it's that weird thing, even because I work in a shop, even people coming in and you get people like, oh, I don't really know what, what I'm supposed to, like how to behave anymore. Yeah. It's like, what 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 is normal? How do we do anything? So I think, yeah, it, I think it's definitely is going to be this weird adjustment period. Um but obviously, said you've said you've already been out for food and stuff. But what is the like? What's the what are you looking forward to as things start to ease? Or what you're looking forward to to be able to do again? Like what? Oh. What's, what's going to bring you joy? 
not wearing a fucking mask. That's what's going to bring me joy. <laughs> I absolutely, and I'm, I'm, it's going to sound really ridiculous, but if, if anybody that does listen to this podcast and they are a trauma survivor, I don't like the word victim. I refuse to use that. Um, for me and my PTSD, uh, one of my triggers and what causes an anxiety or a panic attack is anything around my throat or my mouth because of what happened. And I found that wearing the masks was absolutely horrific for me in the beginning. And I found that it actually stopped me even wanting to go food shopping uh, because I, I, I just felt like I couldn't breathe. I then kind of adapted to it and was okay with it. And now I find that it's getting worse again. So for me, just to do anything that involves not wearing a mask, I, I'm looking forward to that the most rather than any particular activity. Again, I'm going to plug it out there. I would love to go to the pub. So any invites, I'm there with bells and whistles. Let's go. But yeah, definitely not wearing a mask. But the the worry I've got is that as things start opening back up, I think the mask will still be in play for a while yet. I don't think that's something that's going to disappear any anytime soon. Yeah, I think I think you're right. It's going to be like there's still going to be some measures that are in. But yeah, I hope I hope for you that you get to go to the pub and you get to sit outside your pub, the pub, have your drink and have your mask on. <laughs> I can't wait, I can't <laughs> so wait. Takes you. Um, the last question we're asking everyone is, so if you're just like walking down the street and then a news channel turn up and a reporter stops you and says <laughs> to you, can you in one sentence sum up how the government has handled the past year? What what would you say? What would be your response, Laurie? I don't even think um, I could fill a full sentence. I could use one word and that is clusterfuck. <laughs> <laughs> 